Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's time for the playoffs. It's time to decide who's going to Vegas. Will it be Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, or Buffalo coming out of the AFC? Is it going to be San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit even coming out of the NFC? Pick your two conference champions, parlay it, and remember, get your 50% welcome bonus on that first parlay using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you use the link in the description to this episode at BetOnline Sportsbook. Bet online where the game starts. I tell you, Saturday night I was stressed. The Packers gave the 49ers every ounce of ammunition they could it was concerning you know facing the youngest team in the nfl playoffs in the green bay packers man if if you're a packers fan you you didn't know what you really expect coming in this year i mean a lot of like people who don't watch the packers like thoroughly probably thought they were going to be more closer to the average than they were going to be to good and this season just proved anything but i mean i liked this matchup from the get-go but they go in around one and just kick the cowboys ass just absolutely dominate the Cowboys and you think okay young team emotional letdown in the playoffs they're going to go against the one seed and probably get crushed on the road no they were leading for large parts of that game leading into the fourth quarter uh giving the Niners everything they can handle yeah you could say like rain was probably an impact Debo Samuel going out was probably an impact in that game but at the end of the day still I mean the Packers went in and large part dominated huge parts of that game so I I gotta say that I left impressed with this team I look around the weapons uh Reed is really good Dobbs is really good Dontavian Wicks look good bringing back Aaron Jones a couple years ago was a great move by them because Aaron Jones is still running really well and Jordan Love I mean it all goes back to Jordan Love right what was he going to become and you know obviously you compare him to last year's season of Aaron Rodgers he's better than that version of Aaron Rodgers for sure whether he ever turns into prime 2010 Aaron Rodgers you know that's going to be the question that a lot of Packers fans want to know the answers to moving forward but what do you take away from this Green Bay Packers season the most you kind of just punched me in my soul a little bit because you said uh, people who weren't really watching the Packers closely thought they were going to be a little closer to the average me right there I said that the Packers were the most 7-10 and 10 team in the NFL this year. That was the team I felt most confident in my prediction was going to go 7-10. and 10. And by the way, they were on their way to being 7-10 and 10 too. They were 7-8. and eight. They had lost to the New York Giants of Tommy DeVito on Monday Night Football. They won a fluky game against Kansas City that, you know, in hindsight, Kansas City was probably the better team. They just happened to lose to the Packers. They were firmly on their way to 7-10. and 10. And then they beat the crap out of Minnesota to keep their playoff hopes alive. And then in the exact same scenario as last year, tit for tat, exact same scenario as last year, which is we have a winner go home game to make the playoffs in the division against our long tormented division rival, right? Exact same situation, a week 18 winner go home game against a long tormented division rival. Last year it was the Lions. This year it was the Bears. 
same exact situation. Win and you get the seven seed, losing your season's over. Jordan Love came out and beat that ass of the Chicago Bears to get into the playoff. So I was looking at it like, yeah, this is exactly the same team as last year for the Packers. They're going to get to the playoff. They're going to probably lose to the Cowboys, but they would give the Cowboys the toughest fit of any team. And before I could even finish that sentence, Packers were up 27 to zero against the Cowboys in the playoffs, which is kind of crazy. I mean, the reason it was 27 zero is because they essentially had two pick sixes, which commend you for your defensive efforts, Packers, Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage both came up big in that game against the Cowboys, which I haven't really talked about with you. Like it was just a, a crazy crazy upset in hindsight like the cowboys that cowboys team that was the second best in the was nfc it? all season yes like was it? yes i know it's the cowboys and i know you're taking pleasure in that but like the cowboys losing that game with what was their best chance to make the nfc championship game of the dak prescott mike mccarthy or i guess even the dak prescott era period was just really funny the reason I'll push back on it being like as big of an upset as we're talking about here is we know that the Cowboys were not good against teams that could actually punch them back. Actual good playoff teams. And they went against a good playoff team, which I will feel confident saying the Packers were a good playoff team given what they did to the Niners in that divisional round. They gave the Niners everything they could have. So you knew that the Packers were at the end of the season, at least here, looking back, retrospect, a good playoff team. The yeah, Cowboys could not handle that. You know, obviously they got their ass kicked by the Niners earlier in the year. They got their ass kicked by the Bills. They lost a close one to the Dolphins who had a lot of similar issues. Uh, yeah, you know, they split the series with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Sure. But, you know, the second game against the Eagles, they were facing a broken Eagles team that we realized in hindsight had a lot of issues going on there. And they beat the Rams early on in the season before the Rams really figured it out. So the Cowboys... Paper Tigers, certainly, and um, the, <laughs> the Packers were more than willing to take advantage. All right, 49er fan, you got your, your cowboy diatribe out of the way, which, by the way, I just wanted I wanted to, to bring that up specifically. But am I wrong? Because... I mean, come on. Like, every time they went against another good team, they got their ass kicked, and it literally happened in the first round. They got their <laughs> ass kicked. 27-0 is an ass kicking. I know they kind of brought it back close at the end, but throwing Dak throwing essentially two yeah. pick sixes. Well, I know I the mean, Alexander one didn't go close. Back, yeah. Those are Fugazi stats. We accept that those are Fugazi stats. It's hard. It's hard for any team to come back from two pick six. I know the second one was like Alexander got tackled at the 15 yard line, but it was essentially two pick sixes by Dak that ruined their game. I wanted to specifically cut off the Packers season right there of saying like the reason I think I was so wrong about thinking they were seven and 10 to what they did of beating the Cowboys was Jordan Love, 22 touchdowns, one interception. Jordan Love just looking like an absolute stud the second half of the season once everyone started discovering the Packers like good on him for being a franchise quarterback for the next 10 years for the Packers. I won't go far as to say could he be prime Aaron Rodgers like you were because that's that's well, MVP. No, no. that yeah. that is what that is the question. Yes. Yeah, the Packers are, are looking for right like when yes. they draft you and they build you up and they sit you on their bench for three years. When you play, they expect you to turn into that because Packers fans, God damn it, you guys are spoiled. You want to go but far I, to Rodgers to love at least looking like he could become something similar to that in mm -hmm. his first full season playing. That that's that's scary. But I don't want to jump the gun and say he could look like something like that. I don't want to. I don't want to be prisoner of well, the moment and well, jump the gun. Well, here's that. the thing: it, it's mostly just looking at it from 
How do they play? What is their play style? There's characteristics there. Like people have been pointing it out. Like when he drops back and he kind of bounces around, it looks like a little bit of like Aaron Rodgers is doing there. And it looks a little bit like what Favre was doing there for years. And it's like, are they literally just teaching their quarterbacks? Like as much as grief as Favre gets for like embracing Aaron Rodgers, it does seem like Rodgers took on some characteristics of Favre. And as much grief as Rodgers took in uh, 2020, you know, when they drafted Love, it does seem like he also took on some characteristics of Rodgers. So there's some sort of quarterback tree going on. There are branches of that quarterback tree that they all seem to take skill sets from the other. So, and credit to LaFleur for also unlocking whatever he unlocked in him this season and figuring out what he does and doesn't do well, because that speaks very highly of LaFleur. That was my biggest question mark going into the season with the Packers. What would LaFleur look like post Rodgers? Like, was he just a product purely of Aaron Rodgers in his MVP seasons? Or is he an actual good coach? He's an actual good coach. That That's what mm-hmm. we learned. For sure. Absolutely. Definitive answer. Even when the Packers went from, oh, wow, this is such a fun story. Good for them being the first seven seed to ever advance to the divisional round to you goddamn chokers. You just blew a game that you had against the 49ers. You absolute bums choking away a fourth quarter lead. Even when the expectations swung wildly in the other direction for the Packers because they came out and beat that ass of the 49ers early on in the game. Even when the expectations swung, you still felt like, okay, they may have lost, but it's not because this coach made a mistake or because whatever else. It's like, yeah, they got beat and that's fine. They were still a very, very good team. Well, you talk about expectations swinging wildly in different directions. Let's say they hold on to that lead and beat the Niners. We saw them just literally destroy the Lions on Thanksgiving. So Packers fans had to be thinking to themselves, shit, is this team going to the Super Bowl? Could this team win the Super Bowl? Like we've never seen them against Baltimore. And you mentioned they had a close nail biter against Kansas City, but they can at least hang their hat on the fact they beat Kansas City. So let's say they got that rematch again in the Super Bowl. This Packers team went from, again, like you said, nice story to, potentially being a team that got hot at the right time and won a Super Bowl, like had they just gone past the Niners in that fourth quarter there. so And and you know how annoying that would have been if people had made the same comparison of Aaron Rodgers coming in as the quarterback of the Packers and leading the sixth seed to the Super Bowl by winning four road playoff games? You know how annoying that would have been if they had done the exact same thing (laughs) to get to the goddamn Super Bowl? That would have been so, so many people making the Aaron Rodgers comparisons. And like, I'm less familiar with Brett Favre's game than maybe some other people are, but I've been watching Aaron Rodgers my whole life. And when you see Love sit on that back foot and throw at the arm angles he does, it's hard not to see Aaron Rodgers in some of those throws that Jordan Love is making. Like the mechanics are like, are like mimicked in a way. Well, you're right. Like, you know, I I didn't like watch a ton of Favre. I was kind of coming into my, you know, like joy of football, like as he was back in Favre, like I got more Jets and Vikings Favre than I got like prime Packers Favre. But what I would say is like, I've seen a lot of people, particularly on Instagram, post those like side by sides of all three of the Packers quarterbacks over the last 30 years. And they just all look very similar. It's crazy. Like just their motions, just the way they carry themselves. Again, whether Jordan Love is those guys or not, let's put that to the side. But I would just say, if he at least is able to be emblematic of what those guys do from a throwing standpoint, a pure throwing standpoint, he's got it. He's got that nailed down. Yeah. And this is the thing that the Packers can hang their hat on is that 
the quarterback mechanics are down. And again, I'm not going to jump the gun and say he's going to be a top of the league level quarterback. I'm not going to jump the gun on that yet because he's gone in a lot of different directions this year and he's he's only had 17 games of a sample size to work with here. We've seen how wildly sporadic the 50 game sample size of Trevor Lawrence has been. We've seen how wildly sporadic the 70 game sample size of Josh Allen has been, even as we all agree Josh Allen is perennially a top five quarterback in the NFL. Like all of this can change. Uh, we saw what happened with Jalen Hurts. The reason I wouldn't put Jalen Hurts in the in the top two of tiers of quarterbacks last year because I had seen Jalen Hurts play poorly for multiple seasons and then yeah, have the great season there. It, so like we can't really compare those two, can we? Because Jordan Love is doing it with his arm. I'm just saying, let's give let's give Jordan Love time. Okay. Let's let's give him the space to grow as a quarterback. Yeah. And and see what this looks like <laughs> over a three year sample size. But, let's, let's we're but, but can we're we blown agree, away though, by the results in growing in this sample size? He's surrounded by talent, which is going to help him moving forward. Because again, we're we're discovering <laughs> these young Packers wide receivers and thinking to ourselves, okay, this is actually God damn it, Gudikins. As much as you were like the villain a couple years ago by every Packers fan that existed, you're over here drafting again. This read it looks good. I like that kid. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Christian Watson. I mean, can he stay healthy? That's going to be a big question for him moving forward. But uh, Musgraves, a tight end. Their their other tight end. I'm basing on his name too. He looked good. Uh, Tucker too. Craft. Tucker Craft, yeah, a couple good tight ends. The offensive line is still going to be a question mark for them. Bakhtiari, like, he's just can't make it through a season, you know, at this point. They they had some dude named Bo Melton running free through the 49ers Bo secondary. Melton, yeah. Like, yeah, no, no, they, they're, it feels like they're five wide receivers deep. Like, honestly, like, are any of these guys at this point in their career, at least, like a true wide receiver one, not necessarily. Like we don't look at them and think like any one of these guys is like prime Julio Jones out here or Justin Jefferson. They don't have that on this team. And we don't know who out of these guys would develop into that, but they have wide receivers. They're going to do it by a committee approach. Like even if not one of these guys like directly shines, all five of them seem to be very capable wide receivers. I think Jordan Love, if he just becomes like a slicer and dicer, like is the type of guy that distributes the ball across all his wide receivers. That is probably going to be more beneficial than having a guy that you just lock in on, on every single down and possession. Like when I go back to Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, because it's hard not to just make the direct comparisons. And I think back to that 2021 game that they lost to the Niners. So I went back and watched that game recently. The distribution was 10 receptions for Devontae, 10 receptions for Aaron Jones, one reception for Mercedes Lewis that he fumbled and one reception for MVS. That, that spoke to a problem for me for Aaron Rodgers, that he would just lock in on the his guy, whoever he dubbed his guy, and he would just not trust anyone else. That's not Jordan Love's problem. He has no ego and who he throws to, and the fact that he's able to distribute it across all these guys, I think is something that is going to benefit their offense more into the future. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers ran a number of receivers out of Green Bay. I mean, you could talk to Equinemius St. Brown, and he has he has not fond things to say about Aaron Rodgers and his time there, about what it feels like to be iced out by an Aaron Rodgers when you're a receiver. And this was a well-documented thing. We knew about this for, for many years at the end of Rodgers' career, that he would ice receivers out. And at, at the end of last year, I mean, Rodgers played with a broken thumb last year, so I will say, like, take the, the sample size with what you may. 
but like Something the receivers last year all looked like bums. Remember yeah, at the start of the season, it was like Rogers looks at all these guys and he's like, yeah. you're all just a bunch of bums who can't catch and all that stuff like that. And, <laughs> and one thing I would point out there is once he found Christian Watson, he locked in on Christian Watson and that was it. Like, I, yeah. I don't think anyone else shined. Yeah, and Watson had a bunch of injuries this year, so I will, like, take that with a grain of salt. But seeing the connection that Romeo Dobbs, or as I call him, Romeo Dubes, because his name should be Dubes. There's a U in there. It should be Romeo Dubes. That's how you should pronounce his name. It's not Dobbs. It's Dubes. Romeo Dubes connecting with Jordan Love was absolutely... It was great in the game against the Cowboys because the Cowboys didn't have a second corner who could who could stick with Romeo Dubes. And Ambry Thomas got cooked in that game. He had two terrible pass interference calls because Romeo Dubes just went deep on him and he, and he couldn't stick with him. So I think he has the possibility to be a top-end receiver. We know what Watson's capable of. Dontavian Wicks had a bunch of scores. Reed had a bunch of scores. But the other thing that is probably the most boring type of analysis in football, but it's really true with the Green Bay Packers and uh, our friend Mr. Gutenkunst, or uh, as as some people like to call him, Lil Goody. Lil Goody and the Packers have been really, really good at evaluating interior offensive line. Like, maybe no one in the NFL is better at interior offensive line evaluation than the Green Bay Packers. They had Corey Lindsey, who, who played four years there, got the richest contract for a center when he signed with the Chargers a few years ago. They bring in Josh Myers to replace him. Myers is fantastic. Elton Jenkins was a, I believe, fifth-round pick who's made multiple Pro Bowls at the left guard position. Uh, John Runyon has been fantastic this year at the right guard position for them. They have been so good for so many years at evaluating the interior offensive line position and getting them on rookie contracts, sometimes in the fourth and fifth rounds of the draft. And I think that's a big reason why you saw Aaron Jones play as well as he did. The 49ers interior defensive line is fantastic. Maybe the best in the NFL. I mean, fantastic. And Aaron Jones was the first 100-yard rusher because they essentially said, we're going to block these guys inside, we're going to get Jones out, and we're going to pull the guard to the outside, and the guard is going to be able to block as well. It was just an amazing job with the interior offensive line, and I think that's been a big reason why you've seen Love have the time he has in the pocket and why Aaron Jones has had such a revitalization (laughs) into his his late 20s. I was just going to say, now here's like a tricky thing that should be noted with the Packers, especially when we talk about them moving forward, because I do think that they will be a scary team. You talked about needing a bigger sample size on Jordan Love. Unfortunately, because of them sitting him, redshirting him during the Aaron Rodgers era, we're already at the point where we need to start talking contract for him. And I've seen reports that say the Packers are willing to make him the highest paid, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league already after just one season, one one great season, one strong season, sure. But now that we're already at that point, well, you, well your window of like opportunity to kind of build this team up. Now, it's great that you have a bunch of young wide receivers on this team because you're going to need them and you're going to need them to develop because you're, you're going to already hit a point where you're not going to be able to continue to pay your squad in the same way that you normally would like under a guy with a rookie contract. That's the one downer of Jordan Love redshirting to become what he became. And it's hard to say, and we've had this debate before too, like it, particularly whenever it came to like the Trey Lance stuff and with the Niners of redshirting quarterbacks, is that still something good to do? Again, given what we're seeing with his throwing motion and his, his dropbacks, he did learn from Rodgers. So... I, I think when we consider, like, was it instrumental in his development? I think, yes. I think the Packers did did right in that, but it does hurt them in the sense that we're already at the point where his rookie contract's over. 
and they have to start making decisions as far as how do we build this roster moving into the forward, knowing that we're going to pay him $40 million a year in here just a couple seasons. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm not quite sure what the game plan is there because I don't know how much money Jordan Love is going to get on that next contract. I mean, it could be wild dollar valuations because it feels like we don't have a, a reasonable sample size. And it seems like the Packers are, are all in on this dude. Like they, they've been all in on him since they drafted him. They have protected him in so many cases. They have kept him out of trade conversations. Even when they re-signed Aaron Rodgers to that weird extension that he only played one year of before he got traded. Like it was all very strange, very up in the air. I think originally when they picked Jordan Love, the plan was for him to take over in 2022 instead of this year. So I think they they might have thought they would have had an extra year of sample on him. But I mean, regardless, if they feel that his, his ceiling is being one of these $50 million a year quarterbacks, then there, there's no reason to not pay him now. And we'll figure out the rest later because. I mean, hell, they've, they've moved on from multiple Hall of Famers already. I think their job is already tied to this dude enough. <laughs> they've already sacrificed yeah. enough for this dude. They might as well just hinge their entire career see, prospects on him. See, like I said, I mentioned they have all these young wide receivers and Aaron Jones, uh, as great as he's been the last couple of years since signing that extension and everything, he's eventually just going to get aged out just because he's running back and that's how it works. Um, where I think it's going to hurt them the most is going to be on their defense. Because we obviously know Jair Alexander is going to be a high-paid cornerback, no doubt. But um, as far as like keeping guys like a Kenny Clark in the middle or a Preston Smith, keeping together this linebacking core, you know that's just going to become harder to do. And we already know they're still not even a great defense, right? No. Like they were one of the worst defenses against the running game, which had it not, which uh, God. Kyle Shanahan almost gave me a conniption in the fact that we weren't running the football against one of the worst running defenses in the league. We're like, oh, yeah, let's drop back 50 times. As much as I love Brock, it was a rainstorm. Run the football in those situations against one of the worst run defenses in the league. Sometimes you're trying to outthink the room there. But this run defense, it's only going to get better with the draft at this point because if they're already talking about like extensions for like uh, Jordan 11 and everything, you know, they're not going to be able to build this out well in free agency. It, it is concerning as far as like, will this defense ever be able to uh, match where this offense is, you know, and is that always going to be the kind of thing that holds them back? Yeah, uh, they can build through free agency because one of the things that's going to happen is they are going to probably they're going to probably go ahead and cut David Bakhtiari at the end of the season because they would save $20 million against the cap. Uh, most of his guarantees have already been paid out at this point, but I don't know how it works with the uh, injury protection in his contract. So, you know, we'll see what ends up happening there. But he, he's taken a big old cap hit this season with uh, his his all his non-guaranteed money comes up this year because he's a free agent after this year. So they'll probably go ahead and cut Bakhtiari and work a little bit more money into their plan from there. But after that, you're right. They, they have some some decisions to make. They have a lot of young players on that defense, but a lot of young players that don't look like stars. I mean, they, they spent a first round pick on Lucas Van Ness, and maybe that'll turn into something, but he doesn't look like a star edge rusher at this point. 
Um, Rashawn Gary had an incredible year last year. It wasn't quite as prolific this year. I think Rashawn Gary is amazing, but he, he did take a step back this season, obviously. Darnell Savage was hugely opportunistic in the playoffs, but was not that guy throughout the season. We'll, we'll see. He, he dropped the pick six that Brock Purdy had in that game that totally would have changed the tides there. He had a pick six in the game against Dallas. Obviously, opportunistic playoffs, big part of why they, they improved as much as they did. But you're right. They do have some tinkering to make if they are going to get back to the 13 win a season standard that was set the first time Matt LeFleur and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were all together that they had they they're going to have to make some moves especially with bringing in a, a blue chip type of player especially on that defense to, to pair alongside Jair Alexander but those are things that they'll have time to figure out because uh they have the answer at the quarterback position they have a strong offensive line they have a good running game, and those three things can take you a long way in this league, and uh, they'll be able to answer some questions and probably fire Joe Barry. That's the other thing. Matt, I said this <laughs> earlier in the season when there were you know question marks about LeFleur's job status and all that. I'm like, LeFleur has earned the right to fire a coordinator. <laughs> he, he is allowed to fire a coordinator and try yeah. again on that on that defensive side of the ball so so he has earned the right to fire a coordinator and try again on defense and see if he can find someone else who might get I, I better guess. talent yeah. out of that defense i mean probably but it also depends on just who's out there from the defensive coordinator standpoint right like who can they hire maybe this is not the right coaching cycle to do it i don't know like heck <laughs> let's say if the jets struggle again next year maybe robert Sala's is back bring back a couple niners guys you know if they re- if they really want to get spicy, the one I would I would try and see if uh, if our if our boy Harbaugh is leaving Michigan, go see if Jesse Minter over there wants to to make the jump to the NFL. That would be the the person I would call if you're looking for a defensive coach. But you're right, it's it's a whole lot of Matt Patricia's out there for uh, for coordinator for hire at this point. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if something comes of it. Maybe they promote internally. Who knows? We'll we'll see. But. LeFleur has earned the right to fire a coordinator in addition, and maybe bringing in a better defensive coordinator will get better production out of the defensive players that they do have, because they have invested a lot in that defense over the years. Uh, Quay Walker's another name who was a former first round pick. He's been pretty good for them. He had a he had an injury at the end of the playoffs. But if yeah, if my math is correct, they have spent their last four first round picks on the defensive side of the ball. So th- it's not like they don't have talented players there. They, they drafted Stokes from Georgia, Quay Walker, Rashawn Gary four years ago. They drafted Lucas Van Ness. They, they've been investing in that defense. It's just they haven't gotten production as they'd like. It, it is funny, though, just like we think about all the old narratives when Aaron Rodgers was on this team of the Packers not doing enough to build around him. And now we're looking at this team as like, oh, man, they actually had some good players. They actually invested in the defense. They were actually (laughs) investing in the wide receivers. They were actually investing in the tight end room. What were we saying about them not trying to build around Rodgers, right? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, the thing that that helped was they did get a a whole bunch of draft picks in exchange for Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That's that's one thing that's going to make their life a little bit easier. Uh, They only get a second rounder this year because Rodgers didn't play 65% of the snaps, but they're going to have three picks in the first two rounds this year. So maybe they go ahead and, and draft some more people on that defense. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.